Is your life predestined or do you control your destiny? Is it predetermined? Or do we have free will? Please join me in this important discussion on the Kabbalah of horoscopes. Is it written in the stars? Hi everyone, Simon Jacobson here. We will be speaking about the Kabbalah of horoscopes. Is it written in the stars? This program is dedicated in honor of Clay and Tiffany's engagement. One of the big questions we all have, are our lives predestined? Is your life predetermined? Or do we control our destinies? Do we have free will? On one hand, We talk about all kinds of things happening in our lives that are not in our control. And yet, we'd love to believe that we have some some measure of control. But is that true? Especially when you enter into the world of astrology, horoscopes, and the like. So is it written in the stars? Is everything written in the stars? And are we just playing out a script? like puppets in a play, and someone else is the puppeteer. So from a divine perspective, one could argue God runs the show, and whatever happens in your life has been predetermined. So, But then the big question is, so why are we here? What is your role? What is my role? Is it just to play out someone else's script? Someone else's choreography? If you talk from the perspective without faith, without God... So there clearly, you can go the other extreme, that everything is random and by accident, which is in some ways also a predetermined situation because it's not up to us. It's up to natural factors, our biology, our chemistry, our DNA, the need for survival, the evolutionary biological forces that shape and define us. So either way you look at it, we seem to be trapped either in a predeterministic universe and world defined by God or a predeterministic universe defined by nature. And to be true, it could be semantics. They may be the same things as people use different words. Obviously, God requires accountability and there's a whole different approach to things. But I mean the context of the predeterminism. So my friends, I'd like to share with you a perspective which is far more complex and allows us to understand ourselves and the universe on two dimensions, on two tracks, if you wish, all the time. Part of it, yes, is determined, and part of it is not determined. So the deterministic part is pretty clear. The sun rises in the morning, the moon in the evening. We all need to eat and drink. The biological functions of the body and its needs are pretty much all predetermined. A healthy child will be born. You can predict exactly that this child will need to have a certain amount of nutrients and oxygen and other things to keep it alive and nurture it. In addition, of course, to love 
and the psychological and emotional needs that each of us has. Okay, but what about beyond that? So the argument could be made, by the time we're of age, adult age or teenage, we've already, most of our big decisions were made for us. What school we would go to, the values we hold, for good or for bad. If we grew up in a very beautiful, loving, nurturing home that gave us confidence, very often the attitudes of our parents and our environments shape us in that way. If we grew up, God forbid, the other extreme, an abusive, traumatic, not a dysfunctional home, that will have an impact on us. So that would seem to make the case for more determinism. And yet, yet, based on Jewish mysticism, which what this discussion is based on, there's another element that remains within each one of us, no matter what the circumstances of our lives are. And yes, we call that free will. Free will that is free from and not subject to the elements and to the other factors in our lives. Now, I'm not, going to go into a, I'm not going to go into a scientific proof of free will. I don't know if we could actually prove it. Because whatever you can say, you could always say, that's not free will. It was determined by some factor. But the mystics do teach about that element within the soul that comes from a place that is beyond determinism. But to really understand that, let's talk about determinism and non-determinism in the context of, let's start with quantum mechanics. So we know today that in Newtonian physics, the billiard ball effect is the driving rule, which is that when you strike a ball, the same speed, with the same angle, the same, all the same factors, the ball will always be, go the same direction. This is the laws of nature, fixed laws of deterministic nature. But then we discovered in the quantum level, this is in the, in the 20th century, early 20th century, that there is an indeterministic state some call a state of probability, where the subatomic particles have not yet been defined. First, it was very counterintuitive. It seemed bizarre. It seemed completely not logical. In the words of Einstein, God doesn't play dice with the universe. Everything is determined. Niels Bohr reportedly said, re- responded to Einstein by saying, don't tell God what to do. So there's an indeterministic state which has been proven time and again, and now we're more comfortable with it, even though it's something harder for us to understand. You know, you throw up a ball, it will always fall down. If you say to me that, that, that you cannot measure the velocity and the position of a subatomic particle, and it depends on the observer, or the other ways, the theories of the uncertainty principle, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and other theories that explain it, that there is a state before it's been determined, before it's been defined. Interestingly, in the Talmud, you have that. It says that when a child is conceived, there is there's a point where it's still not determined whether it's been male or female. It could be before conception. But essentially, it's a, think of it like a, 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 a ball of, of uh, clay that's not been shaped yet. This ball of clay can be shaped in many, many ways. It can be shaped into a vase. It can be shaped into a cup. It can be shaped into a, uh, a pot. It can be shaped into many other. So if you, ask, if you ask me this ball of clay right now, unshaped and undefined clay, which one is it? You'll say, well, it depends what you're going to do with it. All of those potentials are possible. Just as a, a, a physical example of the idea. Obviously, we're talking about things on a much more subtle and deeper level. So to apply it to the bigger picture, the cosmic picture, the same is true the way the Kabbalists explain that existence as we know it, all its structures 
are a, a created state, meaning they're not, they have been put there to be that way. But before they became determined and defined as we know it, and absolutely deterministic, they were in a state of an indetermined state, to the point that they weren't even in any state. So it's like no state into an indetermined state where meaning that it has many possibilities. And then there's one possibility that becomes the structure of the macrocosmic universe as we know it. But on the microcosmic level, the indeterminism still remains in a certain sense. So we can live on all these dimensions at the same time. It all depends where you're focusing on. If you're focusing on the the structure of existence, yes, there are the rules of nature, set rules, fixed rules. But if you're talking about on a deeper inner level, there are certain indeterministic states. The same is true for the human being. We are defined in many, many ways. For example, we cannot choose the color of our eyes or our hair or our height or other factors that shape and define who we are. And yet, we can make a decision. If you're faced with a choice, a moral choice, where if your own personal interest, you're told if you do so-and-so but you hurt someone else, you will be protected. We will protect you. But if you, if you um, choose to protect the other person, you will be hurt. So most of us would say, one second, if nobody's watching, and if I, uh, in that, then I, maybe I would choose. People have been tortured, and they've turned and hurt other people, even close ones, in that context. People have been threatened. But there are people who make the choice of nobility. They will not allow another person to be hurt, even if they are hurt. So, of course, you could argue they're wired differently. I would submit, based on the concept we're discussing now, no, that there is inside of you the actual ability to choose and transcend even your own very nature of, of an inclination of self-interest. That's what true love is about. That's what true commitment is about. That even when it's painful and even when it's inconvenient, you're still committed. Again, I'm not going into scientific proofs. You could say that too is part of the DNA, that too is part of our wine, that too is part of our self-preservation. But I'm suggesting and offering an alternative model, an alternative approach. And that is there is an indeterministic aspect to our lives. So when you look at it from that perspective, is there power to the horoscope, to the stars? So the mystics teach, starting from the holy book of the Zohar, the classic book of mysticism, Jewish mysticism, composed by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, yes, in the news, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai of Miron, who we just honored and celebrated his passing on the 33rd of the Omer in Miron, in northern Israel. He also suffered a great tragedy. I do not want to ignore that. And that too, of course, goes into the question, are they, were they predestined to die? Or was it part of human choice? But in the Zohar, it talks about the astrology, astrology, the horoscope. And it talks about, yes, that God created the universe with all kinds of predispositions. Just as we're created, some of us have a more optimistic personality and some a little more pessimistic. I'm not talking about nurture and nature. Let's see, say even from a nurture, of nature point of view. Nurture, for sure, we're impacted. But even the way we're wired... Some of us have different, uh, we have different DNA, different genetic predispositions. The question is whether it controls your life. So the words of Maimonides, he says the following, a firm and solid foundation, absolute foundation in all matters of a a God, a divine-driven life 
is that we have free will. What does that mean, he says? You don't have free will of how tall you'll be or how you'll be born into a poor family or a wealthy family or the color of your eyes or the color of your hair and other, your, your, your physical makeup, your strength, and so on. You don't have control over those givens. But you have control over all issues of morality and, good, and right and wrong. Now, of course, we also know you can exercise your body and become stronger than even if you overcome handicaps and so on. But let's not go right now there. We'll go there, because we'll, you could say that's still part of your potential that you're actualizing. That there's an area that God himself, or God itself, suspends the control. So when then, what is astrology? Astrology predispositions. You're born in a certain sign. So there's a predisposition, an inclination. We all have inclinations. Some of us are hot-blooded, some of us are cold-blooded. That doesn't mean you have to act on it. That's the key. So you may be inclined a certain way, but you can, there's a thing called self-control. There's a thing called discipline. There's a thing called harnessing, channeling. The Talmud has a very interesting statement. It says someone born in a particular sign will be aggressive. They can end up being a murderer, or they can end up being a person that shechts in Hebrew, that's the word for slaughtering meat, that, others, that help others live. They can be a doctor that, releases, that takes blood, but that's not murder, that's healing. So in other words, the fact that if someone has an aggressive nature or someone is going to shed blood, it could be shedding blood, God forbid, through crime and violence and murder. It could be shedding blood to helping human beings. And the same is true with so many other areas, every area of life, I should say. What are we addressing? We're addressing now the fact that you have a predisposition. That is indeed the case. So let's say you're born into a wealthy family. So many people say up to a life of privilege, you shouldn't have any problems. You have no excuse not to be a good person. And yet we see people growing up in such homes have sense of, can have a sense of entitlement, can be spoiled, can be very arrogant, and be very hurtful to others. The same argument can be made, born into poverty. My life is miserable. I have every excuse to be bitter and angry and jealous and so on. And yet we see people born into poverty and they're beautiful human beings, people born into wealth and they're beautiful human beings, and vice versa. People born into wealth that are miserable and people born into poverty that are happy or people born into poverty that are not happy. So the circumstances of our life are predispositions, they're inclinations, they are like they're put in front of us, but they can be used in many different directions. Is technology a good thing or a bad thing? Is a kitchen knife a good thing or a bad thing? Depends how you use it. That's up to us. If you use it to hurt someone, it's a bad thing. It's being used for a bad thing, I should say. If you are using it to cut up some food, to help people live and sustain them and feed them, it becomes a positive. So many things in life have the ability to go, everything in life has the ability to go in two different directions. The mystics call it the world of Klipat Noga. It's called the, the illuminated husk or the illuminated shell. What does that mean? There's a fruit and there's a shell. Now, the shell is there to protect the fruit. But what happens if you forget there's a fruit and you focus on the shell? It can go in the wrong direction. So the idea is that everything in this world is neutral. And it all comes down to how we are going to choose. You're going to eat a piece of food to indulge and even use the strength to hurt somebody, or you're going to use the piece of food to 
elevate it, to refine it, to recognize the divine sparks within it, and allow them to strengthen you to help another person. That is not predetermined. So there is a part of our lives that are predestined and predetermined, absolutely, and are written in the stars, and there's a part that's completely not. Why? Because we're above the stars. We're above the horoscope. Now, you could, of course, allow yourself to be trapped there. Like anyone could be trapped by the circumstances and say, I'm a victim or a product of circumstances. That's when we say a generation comes, a generation goes, and there's nothing new under the sun. But above the sun, above the stars, there's much newness and freshness. And that's where life really is played out. That's where you'll see how human being, that excitement, that exuberance, that, that yes, spontaneity, and even improvisation, that though a situation may seem set in stone, you figure out a way to work around it or to transcend it or to elevate it. This is why when people are able to take a tragedy or take a circumstance that may not be very easy to deal with and you see something great come out of it. It's not justifying the pain, but what's that greatness? The greatness is that we've reached a place that's beyond the predetermined, beyond the structure. Now, we can do so also in pleasant times. Sometimes it's more difficult because when we're comfortable, we usually stay our status quo and we become more apathetic, less motivated. Pain and pain, loss, trauma tends to catapult us because it forces us out of our comfort zone. But the idea is the same. You can make a commitment to something that's beyond just the rational structures. That's where you see people have that conviction, that revolutionary spirit, the Wright brothers. I always think about this. Every time I go to an airport, every time you fly in a plane, here's a flying ship, tons, many tons heavy. How heavy is a plane? Who knows? Someone would come to you 150, 200 years ago and say, I'd like you to invest $100. I'm going to build a flying ship. Flying ship, very interesting. Human beings have always fantasized about flying. We see the birds and we like to fly. Superman. No one flies. I wouldn't give you a penny. It doesn't make any sense by the structures of existence. And you know what? These two crazy people, I say crazy in a positive way, chose to defy logic and defy their norms. And yes, then they built a plane, which today carries people across the world and created air travel. And around that, airports. I know in this pandemic time of pandemic has been affected, but still the technology of it. And the same is true in other technology and other sciences. If you went strictly by the laws of nature as we see them, you say it's impossible to fly. But when you go deeper, and I'm not saying that they necessarily went into an indeterministic state, an undeterministic state, but in their conviction they did. Emotionally and psychologically they did. Spiritually even. And then they found the technologies. And then, what, what do you, lo and behold, we discover that nature itself and technology itself has far more capacity than we ever thought based on the laws of nature that we knew. So how much more is possible? Can we indeed, for example, resurrect someone through the DNA? Once it seemed impossible. Now it's not so impossible. Now you could argue that's all part of the deterministic element. But again, I'm not talking about the science. I'm talking about the person, our attitude. So when you, make a, you have a conviction and say, no matter what happened to me, and everyone else would lie down and die because of this terrible tragedy, 
I find inner strength. And yes, it comes from a place where you reach into the indeterministic states of the soul, which connect to the indeterministic states of the cosmos. And you use that and channel that into a deterministic world. When you hear stories about Helen Keller or others who have severe handicaps, that human spirit to say, I'm going to make it work. No, they didn't heal themselves in the technical sense. The handicaps were still there. But they created excellence under those circumstances. Because there's something in the spirit that does not surrender, that has the power not to surrender to these laws of nature. So my friends, the bottom line is, yes, much of life is determined, but the most important parts of life are not. They're up to you and I. And that's one of the reasons I feel so honored and blessed to be part of the Meaningful Life Center, sharing these words with you. Because if we can empower each other with that conviction, with that clarity, you have what it takes to defy your circumstances, to transcend them, and go a step further, to harness them, to harness even past wrongs and past mistakes and past traumas, deliberate or, in, or inadvertent, to transform and harness them. You have that power. It's an unbelievable message that each of us needs to hear. Because there are always going to be times where we're going to feel very down and feel defeated, resigned, hopeless. And for good reason. We may have very good reasons. Sometimes we don't have good reasons, but sometimes we do. You make the calculations, it doesn't seem to add up. My life is a mess. The arrow goes in one direction. I'm here to tell you that's absolutely wrong. It's not, your attitude is not wrong because you're basing it based on the rules that you're looking at with your eyes. So in that sense, yes, you have a, your equation seems to be right, but there are deeper dimensions that you're not seeing. It's like someone that looks from the vantage point of the valley and not seeing the mountain and the horizon. Say, there's no horizon. I don't see a horizon. So I say, climb the mountain. Lift your eyes. Set your eyes. Set your sights to higher goals. Discover what your soul is made of. And that's so much what we do here, what I like to do, what I'm committed to do, is to discover deeper, discover yourself, discover your soul, and you'll discover resources that can transcend the deterministic aspects that are written in the stars and indeed find a place that is not written in the stars where you write the script, where you control your destiny, where you are part of determining the unfolding drama of your life and the world's life and that your actions and your thoughts and your words can tip the scales and create personal and global redemption. In these times, especially many of us who are crying over what happened in Miran, we need this more than ever. We need to be able to reach deeper and recognizing these truths. When I hear the father who lost two children cry out, God, please don't take my faith from me. I mean, what kind of words are those? Please don't take my faith. The faith is what sustains us. Like people said, how could you believe in God after the Holocaust? And some Holocaust survivors responded, how could I not believe in God? How could I believe in man after the Holocaust? All I have left is God. We don't know the power of faith and trust until everything else is taken from us. No one should ever know that. But at times like this, we need those inner strengths. May we be blessed to access those inner strengths in good times and only have celebrated times. 
remember you have that power within you. And when we join together, we strengthen each other with that synergy. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, for a full array of resources, a robust schedule. Please join us, please share, please like, please subscribe, and please pass on the message. And above all, I'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, thoughts, ideas, questions, a real interaction. Be healthy. Draw down those indeterministic and higher states into your determined life and transform yourself. God bless you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.